Scott's Cofield and Company, live on the road. We are on the road. Different digs for a running Rebel game. 7 o'clock tip. Mandalay Bay is the site as Seattle is in town. And then Hartford, the City University, is coming up on the latest leg of the UNLV schedule. Seattle tonight, 7 o'clock tip, running Rebel warm-up at 6.30 with John and Curtis. And the Rebels very much in need of a victory as they've uh, really struggled outside of that Whittier game. They've had a tough time, and the last two road spots were a real wake-up call. So we'll get into that throughout the show as Seattle's on the way tonight. Tickets are available up at AXS.com. I just sent out the link. So check out the the prices on this one. Not bad, not bad. 29 to 79 bucks to get in, come down, have a little dinner, watch the Rebels as they try to bounce back here against the Seattle team that is a guard-heavy, which may be a better matchup than the last couple of opponents, which – uh, the Rebels struggled with because of the size across the front line. And good news for the Rebels. It looks like one of their bigs may be back tonight. Victor Iwoker uh, could be back. The Oklahoma transfer, who is a Swiss Army knife on defense, can guard a bunch of different positions. But most importantly, uh, he can play inside, hit the offensive boards. Uh, defensively, can certainly cover the four and five. And we'll give a little relief to Royce Ham, who's had to do it all alone. And poor Donovan Williams, who goes 190 pounds at 6'6". And he's been playing the four. And also Bryce Hamilton at times has been playing the four. So let's do it. It's Trending at Three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Caleb Herring is going to join us later on as we'll get into some college football, some UNLV football. We'll also talk about where this uh, Rebel team is on the basketball floor with a little tumult after the game against San Francisco. Uh, But we certainly will discuss the transfer portal, which I think Marcus Arroyo is going to do well in as uh, he's already landed uh, one player in the portal officially or out of the portal officially. That's a Fresno State defensive end who still has a couple of years left who got experienced a few years ago. Isaiah Johnson, good-sized dude, played for the Bulldogs and uh, should move right into the rotation if he's fully healthy. Uh, they're going to need linebacker help. Kyle Beaudry stepped up nicely in the absence of Austin Ajake. Well, Jacoby Winman, the guy who was a great running mate, and possibly made up the best inside linebacking combo in the Mountain West Conference. Winman with Ajake. Well, Winman is gone. So he went into the transfer portal about 10 days ago now, 14 days. And um, shocking for some, but, you know, I don't blame him in many ways, especially the way it turned out. If you followed this and uh, Jacoby sent out pretty much every time he got an offer, he sent out a heads up on who was offering. And, man, did this thing work out for him as – he commits, I guess you could argue, to the best program right now in college football that offered him. I'm not saying he got offered by Alabama or Georgia or Michigan or Cincinnati, teams in the Final Four, but he was offered by some high-level programs, uh, including Texas. I would say right now Michigan State's in better shape than Texas. He had a choice of Penn State, Indiana, K-State, Texas, as I mentioned, Minnesota, Western Kentucky, South Florida, Iowa State. You get the numbers here, right? I mean, this is a guy who was – very coveted. He had a monster year, upwards of uh, 119 tackles, six and a half sacks. Just moved to linebacker this year and like moved right into the position seamlessly. It was great. He was also offered by his hometown school, Tulane, Liberty, Florida Atlantic, um, UTSA as well. Uh, but he did decide today to go to Michigan State as Mel Tucker put on the full court press. So good for Jacoby Winman. He's going to go get a chance to play in the Big Ten and uh, finish off his degree. I don't think he was done yet. He's 
He was in his third year here, if I'm correct on that one. So he's got two years left with the COVID year included, and now he gets to go to the Big Ten and play at a little higher level of football than UNLV was offering. Uh, Raiders camp today. Raiders practice today. The camp was uh, months ago, but Raiders today with updates on Darren Waller. Not much of an update. He's now day-to-day. Uh, Rich Basacci has said he's dealing with knee and uh, oblique or rib. He didn't couldn't specify. He said whichever one it is. Um, he got uh, continually a little better toward the end of the week. So he's day-to-day. He may be ready to go against the Chiefs, and they certainly need him. And then the other big news is Trayvon Mullen came off IR last week, and Basaccia said that uh, Mullen ran around pretty good today. So whatever that means, the target was the Chiefs game. So hopefully the, the Raiders are going to be a little closer to full health. Uh, Kenyon Drake, no surprise, did not practice today because he's down for the season with the ankle. Uh, other guys who did not participate, Quinn Jefferson, Nick Wikowski, uh, Carl Nassib, I think, came out, but he didn't participate officially in practice. Denzel Perriman did not participate. And as I mentioned, Darren Waller on the list as a uh, non-participant. So that's the Raiders situation. Um, the other news around the Raiders, and you hate to do this while these guys all have a job, but, I mean, let's deal with reality. There are going to be rumors out there about who the next coach could be. I've been saying for weeks now it could be Rich Basaccia, but it's time for him and Greg Olson and Derek Carr included to freaking pull out all the stops now and start getting super aggressive. That's what helped them get out to the 5-2 and two start in the first place, and they've kind of gone back to some of the things that really frustrated a lot of us and especially the fans the last couple of years, and I think a big reason why they kind of collapsed after 7-5 and five and 6-4 and four starts. Uh, the last couple of years, and this year a, a five and two start, and the, the, the fade has been exactly the same thing. And it is way too much conservative play calling or conservative execution. Um, these guys have a chance all to stay around if they really make a run here at the playoffs. I think they can, but they got to change things up from a mindset standpoint and stop playing it safe. Freaking go for it! But uh, real interesting. We'll build on this throughout the show. Uh, the list is starting to build speculation. You know, it's it's a speculative deal. Uh, we talked about Dabo Sweeney yesterday because Dabo was in town visiting. Uh, he was also in for some big college football festivities. Uh, he was here in Vegas, but he was on the sideline. We talked to Eric McLean yesterday. He's a former Clemson player, ACC analyst, and he said it's hard to believe. He doesn't believe that Dabo would actually be a candidate, that he would leave the collegiate ranks. But, you know, uh, Dabo is going to be kicked around in the rumor mill the name that emerged today that was kind of interesting, Dan Graziano, one of the uh, ESPN NFL insiders, in a, a long story about all the openings that could happen, uh, just simply said, uh, watch Vegas for Harbaugh. We're talking about Jim Harbaugh. Later on, we'll give our list of potential candidates. I've got a deep list. I think there's a lot of good candidates out there. And that's if Passaccia loses the head coaching gig. He's the interim right now. I think he has a chance to really be in the mix, but they got to win down the stretch or else. And he doesn't get a shot, which is a shame because he's been given a golden opportunity here. Uh, on the way back, let's get to some of the big news in the state of Nevada. It's not UNLV-related, but, you know, in a way, it kind of is. Reno lost their football coach, Jay Norvell, who basically walked across the street, lateral move. He'll call it a, a move upwards in terms of support, and that's what we'll examine. The Reno coach goes to Colorado State. We'll talk to Alex Margulies from Nevada Sportsnet and get the feel for what's going on around Reno football. And I'm telling you, folks, this – does actually affect us down here. You may be laughing at the Wolfpack football situation, but when you hear Reno sound like a have-not and not having the money to compete to keep their coach around and you go somewhere else for triple the salary in the same conference, that is freaking distressing. 
Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. You're listening to Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on Cofield & Company, interesting story up north with Nevada. Jay Norvell walks, goes to Colorado State, and Alex Margulies is the guy we lean on from Nevada Sportsnet. He's the voice of uh, many of the sports around Reno. So give me the reaction. What's been the reaction the last couple of days to Jay Norvell moving on from Nevada? You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, when a coach leaves, I, I think uh, there's kind of like that myriad of reactions. You know, there's a, a little bit of, of sadness. Uh, there's a little bit of anger. There's a little bit of, you know, being happy uh, for Jay. Um, ultimately, I, I think Wolfpack fans understand, you know, why he would make this decision. I think initially it's, it's kind of an extra tough pill to swallow because it is – kind of quote-unquote a lateral move because he's going to Colorado State. He's staying in the Mountain West. He didn't leave for a Power 5 job. But, you know, I was just in Fort Collins a couple weeks ago, and, you know, you look at that stadium they've got there, it's as good as any that I've seen. I mean, it is it is a beautiful complex, brand new, three years old. Um, it's a different setup. Um, I know they haven't had a lot of success in football the last couple of years, but they certainly put a lot of money into that program. There's a lot of support. So I would understand why Jay Norvell would, would look at that as a great opportunity. And then the financial aspects, I mean, you're talking about getting five years and $9 million. I mean, that's triple his salary currently. Nevada was only paying him a little over $600,000, which was dead last in the Mountain West. You know, now he was due to get a raise and, and I'm told, you know, he was probably going to get a, a million dollar a year salary, but that still puts him you know, kind of near the bottom of the Mountain West. Instead, he's the highest paid coach in the Mountain West. He's in a program that I think he feels like he's got a lot more support, um, you know, when it comes to finances, when it comes to resources, when it comes to stadium and infrastructure. So there's definitely a lot to digest. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely a tough one for Wolfpack fans to swallow. I think Jay was a very well-liked coach, uh, both personally and I think the products that he put on the fields and and ultimately this year was I think a bit of a disappointment for sure, you know, considering the talent level that they had and they weren't able to get to the kind of Mount West championship aspirations that this team had. Um, but I think uh, overall people will look back fondly on coach Norvell's tenure, appreciate him. And I, I think there's a lot of frustration that he would leave, you know, for another Mountain West school. So I assume most of the community isn't taking offense to his comment that, this is not a lateral move. It's a quote, major upgrade of support. You know, I, I think, um, I think there's a little bit of, of probably taking offense to that, but also I, I think a lot of fans around here know, like he's kind of not wrong. Uh, I right, mean, what right. he's saying is not incorrect. And in, in a lot of ways you know, we've been talking about on our program, uh, you know, on Nevada Sportsnet. you know, Nevada's athletics department is being exposed a little bit uh, that they, they aren't, you know, being competitive, uh, with with maybe the rest of the Mountain West. They aren't maybe giving the support that's needed. And then even from a community standpoint, I think it even goes beyond the university. You know, this is a, a town that, you know, it, it's unless the team is at a championship level, people don't exactly pack the building. I mean, we, we had very good crowds early in the season. Um, as soon as Nevada lost one game, though, it gets cold out and Mackey Stadium is – at half capacity. So, you know, the town isn't exactly 
doing much to show that they want to support a winning football team either. So, you know, people can get frustrated with him saying that, but he's not wrong. He's not saying anything that people don't already know. Um, but it is, I think it is an embarrassing kind of feeling uh, in the city. It's an embarrassing feeling, I think, within the athletic department. And, um, you know, we'll see what this kind of comes of this and, and where Nevada goes moving forward, you know, after having this happen. So where is the money? Like, where would it come from? I mean, I was just up there for the game, and as I was driving around, um, I think I was on Virginia, and I'm like, man, there's a, there's a lot of money going into this area. There's a lot of new buildings, a lot of new restaurants. There's a revitalization. Like, there's money there. Where Where is it for the football program? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, it's – you kind of take a step back sometimes even being from here and having spent a lot of my life in Northern Nevada, like we're still a very small community. Like when you look at, yeah, we are, you know, the biggest little city, right? I mean, our population size is really no greater than 500,000. Even when you include, you know, some of the outlying areas, we're not a very big area, but there is money here. And there's a lot of big companies that have come in, especially East of town out into the Tahoe Reno industrial center. I mean, Tesla has come to town. You've got big, uh, factories for Amazon and for Walmart and for Apple. And there's a lot of these big companies that have come in yet. Nevada really has never been able to tap into any of those corporate businesses when it comes to, uh, getting support, you know, from their university, you know, the casinos obviously are here and I think they give some money, but I think Nevada could do a better job at getting more money. You know, um, you look at, the Eldorado and you know, the Eldorado is now the largest casino operator in right. the country right. at Caesars, you know, and I, I don't know if they, they are doing a good enough job on the fundraising side. And the fact that, to be honest with you, the fact that we still don't have an indoor facility, it, that's tough to compete with. I mean, not only because it's cold, that's one area, but the wildfires, I mean, wildfires last year caused Nevada to have to spend a month of their training camp out in Stanford, they had to spend three hundred thousand dollars to go to the Bay Area to to practice during training camp because the smoke was so bad we couldn't do it here. I mean, so uh, there there needs to be more support financially. I know a lot of the, the big boosters that are involved in the program are working very hard to 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 kind of rally behind that. But I do think you know one of the biggest problems is that there just isn't that there isn't that financial uh, backing that needs to happen in order to be competitive. We're talking about Jay Norvell moving on from Nevada to Colorado State. Alex Margulies uh, covers the Reno scene. So are people now looking at the AD, who's made some really good hires, I think, over the years. Are uh, they looking at him going, hey, where's the fundraising? How the hell did it get to the point where Norvell was still making dead last money in the conference? Why wasn't he extended to that million dollars a couple of years ago? I, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of uh, people that are kind of turning their frustrations uh, towards the athletic director, Doug Newth. You're right. He's made some great hires. I mean, his track record is fantastic. He found Jay Johnson, who, who took Nevada to a mountainless championship in baseball. Uh, and then now he's the head coach at LSU after going to Arizona. I mean, um, TJ Bruce has won two titles in baseball. Eric Musselman won three championships in basketball. You get Jay Norvell. He's been uh, much, much better in football. It took Nevada um, to three consecutive bowl games and an eight win season this year, potentially nine wins if they win their bowl. So he's definitely done a good job at finding really good coaches. But, you know, I think there is a sense that in some other areas, when it comes to support, when it comes to organization, when it comes to um, 
you know, obviously those facilities upgrades when it comes to the fundraising that I think people are feeling like they're, they're not there. There's a lock there. And, you know, another issue that comes up in the state of Nevada, and I don't know if UNLV deals with this as much as Nevada does, but the fact that there's such a lack of state funding, there's no yep. state income tax. And so there's not a lot of state money coming in to help Nevada and a lot of other states like Colorado, like Wyoming, like, you know, some of the other states that are in this conference get state money for these types of things. Nevada just doesn't get it. So they've got to find it from somewhere else. Um, so it's 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 an interesting challenge. It really is. And, and to be fair to Doug Newth, I mean, he has done a very good job in some regards. And I think um, he's also in a very challenging position. I do think over the long haul, it'll be interesting to see what impact having uh, former Governor Brian Sandoval now as the president of the university and what kind of change that's going to be for athletics. Because frankly, Nevada's previous president, Mark Johnson, wasn't a huge supporter of spending money on athletics. It just wasn't part of his vision for the university. I do think it is more uh, part of Brian Sandoval's uh, vision for the university, but only time will tell, you know, what kind of impact that he can make, you know, to, to try and elevate Nevada and get more money, whether it's from the state, whether it's from private donations, whether it's from, you know, corporate companies, what kind of impact that he can make uh, as a Nevada alum and somebody that's very passionate about the University of Nevada and Nevada athletics. And obviously, you know, his power as being uh, the former governor. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Sandoval and I'm glad you mentioned state funding because it's one of the things that I initially said right out of the gates when I saw that Norvell walked for CSU. While you and UNLV fans may be laughing uh, at the Wolfpack right now, we're in the same boat. There's a little more local funding here in terms of, uh, you know, money down in Las Vegas, but the state funding thing is a big deal. And to me, there actually should be multiple uh, politicians on the state level screaming bloody murder about the haves and the have-nots in the world of college sports. The fact that for some reason, and it's really because Nevada is a young state and the universities are younger, but you know Nevada is a have-not, but Iowa is a have, to me, is absolute bull crap. And right. there should be someone on the state or even go to the federal level who should be calling out what goes on in college football. The fact that our state is not funded and these programs have such a tough time getting money and then having to turn to private funding. It is absolute nonsense in the world of college football. It's crazy. I mean, the, the thing is though, too, is that, you know, college football and the co and the college athletics landscape is accelerating in a direction that, you know, some schools may not be able to keep up, you know what I mean? Like with the, the whole NIL and paying players and these super conferences and stuff, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think at some point, even as a state, like when you've got other problems to face when it mm -hmm. comes to the education system and, and, you know, everyone knows the state of Nevada has so many issues when it comes to that, when it comes to fun for our schools, you know, sometimes the priority of uh, athletics is, is going to dwindle. And I think that is part of the decision, I think, for a lot of people is like, do we care about sports in our state? And um, right now it doesn't seem like it. You know, I think not a lot. No one's going to want this, but. If there was a state income tax, this would fix a lot of that. No one wants to pay that extra money, but imagine what that would do for things like this, you know? And, and so I think even as residents of the state of Nevada, you, you can't really complain too much when you don't have the money coming in and you're not paying that state income tax like 45 other states are. Right.
Next salary, say nine hundred thousand to a million. You know, it could be a five a five, five year deal for like five million dollars. Who's the I hope so. Who's the dream candidate? Is it a guy on the rebound? Is it like a Matt Wells who was at Utah State? Who do you want to see as the coach? Is it an assistant somewhere else? Yeah, I think Matt Wells is a good candidate. I think he certainly had success in the Mountain West at Utah State. That went to you know Texas Tech, and and it didn't you know really work out for him. Um, you know, another guy we talked about on our show is. Uh, Dante Williams, you know, he was down at USC and, uh, you know, he served as their interim head coach. He actually has ties where he actually was on the staff in 2010 um, in a very small role at Nevada. So he does have some small Nevada ties. Um, You know, he's known as being a great recruiter, you know, being able to get from a program like USC. I mean, he's got a lot of other um, experiences down the line. So maybe he's somebody that Nevada looks at. I think that could be pretty exciting. Um, so I, I think there's a number of candidates. And I think despite, you know, maybe the lack of resources that Nevada does have, I do still think that this can be a good job for the right person, for the right uh, candidate. And, you know, this is always kind of a fun deal. It, it's, it sucks to lose a coach, especially one that you like as much as we all liked Jay. Um, but then there's also, it's also kind of fun to kind of see, okay, what's going to be next? What, what kind of system we're going to see? What kind of football is going to be around here? It's going to be a totally different era, and and uh, you know we'll have to embrace it. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. They've made bowl games in fourteen and seventeen. Believe me, down here in Vegas, uh, we only wish you know that had been the case for the UNLV that, program. Yeah. So uh, one last thing we got to mention: um, there was supposed to be a Nevada basketball game yesterday. They had to yes. cancel an entire Texas trip. Yep. So what's the latest right now? The the program essentially is shut down. I think you know until the next game on the fifteenth. Offered. Uh, tested positive to Craig Neal. What's happening now with COVID? Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty much gone through their entire coaching staff at this point. Um, I think I've heard one player's tested positive for COVID as well. I think oh the boy. good news is that they've got a week until their next game, a home game uh, here at Lawler Event Center against Minnesota Duluth. Um, you know, so that's actually kind of fortunate they're going to play kind of a lower level opponent. Um, so I think there should be enough time for COVID to kind of work its way through the program. But yeah, I mean. Uh, we basically found out a week ago from yesterday, Coach Alford came down with COVID as well as Coach Neal, and, and uh, they eventually had to cancel that entire trip. They were supposed to play North Texas on Saturday. They were supposed to play Texas Arlington. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just the deal that we're in right now. You know, it's we're all kind of going through it. I mean, on a personal level, you know, I, I did an interview with one of the coaches who had tested negative uh, at the time. That morning, the next day, he tested positive. Oh, so boy. I've been – very much uh, on alert, you know, testing myself pretty much every day at home and stuff. And, and fortunately have uh, been able to, you know, come, come clear of that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just the world that we're in right now. We've all got to kind of do what we have to do to take care of each other and, and um, you know, do what we can to kind of uh, work around this whole deal. And I mean, I suppose on like an athletic level, if there's a time where you're going to have, you know, to go through this, right. I think this is, from that perspective, I think this is a pretty good time. If there's a good time, if there's ever a good time, I, I feel like now isn't the worst time for this to happen to them. Uh, last one, you know, I've been telling everyone on on my show. Listen, uh, the Wolfpack will be fine on the basketball side. Steve Offer's a good coach. They have a, I think, a very talented roster, maybe the the most talented roster of any team in the conference. What exactly was going on to get out to a four and four start? I don't know. I mean, they just weren't gelling. They just, it was very dysfunctional. And I think you know, AJ Brahma was a transfer that came in. And they actually, they released him uh, at the end of that kind of losing streak and, um, you know, for conduct detrimental to the team. And 
ever since they got rid of him, it seems to be a different team. Like they've just played differently. They're looser. They're freer. Uh, you've seen Grant Sherfield play like Grant Sherfield again. Des Cambridge is looking a lot better. Um, you know, I think they were doing some stuff for maybe offensively, you know, they've kind of shifted some things a little bit, kind of simplified some stuff and it's working. And ultimately they're just playing harder on the the defensive end of the floor. I mean, you see just a different energy and enthusiasm intensity on that side of the ball. And uh, it's, it's really playing out. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of continue some momentum. They had certainly uh, had some momentum going into this COVID break. And that's the one downside of it happening right now is they were playing so well and they wanted to kind of build off of that. So we'll see if they can keep going. It's definitely a disappointing start. And, and, you know, this is a team that had aspirations, you know, at a minimum to get into the NCAA double, tournament as an at-large. And I think that those chances are pretty much out the window at this point with some of their bad losses. But, um, you know, they'll have to turn it on for conference play. And we'll, we'll see what we can get out of this crew. I mean, like you said, it's a talented group. I mean, you've got Cambridge and Sherfield are both really good players. And then on the inside, they've got three bigs uh, that are that are versatile with, with Will Baker and uh, Warren Washington, and now K.J. Himes is back from an ankle injury. So um, I think they'll be just fine. I think they'll be very competitive in the Mountain West, but everybody here, I mean, we were just shocked uh, to see how they came out this season. No one could see that coming. Awesome spot, man. Really appreciate the information. You stay safe and have a good holiday, okay? Thanks, Steve. You as well. There he is, Alex Margulies from Nevada Sportsnet on the situation in Reno with the football program. Time for a giveaway right now, 364-1100. Caller 11, caller 11, caller 11. 364-1100. You win four tickets to Disney on Ice Dream Big. The show is coming up January 6th to January 9th at Thomas and Mac. You can get your own tickets at DisneyOnIce.com. And if you're the winner here, caller 11 364 You qualify to win a new 55-inch 4K smart TV. Winner announced on December 21st. Happy holidays from ESPN Las Vegas. Call in right now to win 364-1100 and qualify for the TV. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Gilbert underneath. Gilbert got fouled. They didn't call it. Gilbert got grabbed. They didn't call it. He missed the layup. That's ridiculous. I mean, I know the game's out of hand, but and Kevin Kruger is letting the official have it. It's the and I don't blame him. That's ridiculous. Now back to Cofield and Company. On the road. Yeah, we'll see what kind of mood Kevin Kruger's in tonight as the Rebels are set on the strip to take on Seattle. Pretty good Seattle team with some uh, transfers from both Juco and uh, in the case of Cameron Tyson from Houston, where he didn't play a whole lot, but he's come into this Seattle program and he's averaging 16 points a game. So not a massive team, but the scary thing is uh, they're very good at guard and the rebels have not been good defending point guards. And they've got a kid in Darian Trammell whose numbers are down a little bit through uh, eight, nine games, but he averaged 20 a game last year and the rebels against point guards outside of that Whittier game, have had a lot of trouble defending these guys. And, you know, they, they're guys who come in all shapes and sizes from the Wichita point guard to little guys like Tiger Campbell and Kendrick Davis at 5'10 to uh, Jamari Bouye at San Francisco at 6'1", 6'2", and they've been torched. And the problem is those guys are the, the head of the snake, so not only were they scoring, but they were setting up their teammates. So uh, more Rebel stuff coming up in just a little bit. Is they need a win. They need a win. they got to snap out of this funk and 
Well, we got some good news here, right, Ari? We've got some winning for Las Vegas. It's been a little bit rough with football. A little bit rough with football. Knights, I think, have surprised a lot of people. We have a win, but, you know, I, I saw this story put out, and reaction from people was like, duh. No, you shouldn't look at it that way. This is confirmation that we're still on top. Is this true? 90 years in a row we've won this award? I, that I could not confirm. I think, I think that one is made up because yeah. the source of this, I mean, I think that's a joke. Um, that since we've been established, we're the most fun city in America. That was from uh, one of the uh, local Vegas jabroni uh, Twitter accounts. They do a good job. Um, but, yeah, Vegas selected as the most fun city in America. It's from a site called or a service or whatever, Wallet Hub. Uh, the reports measured 65 key metrics ranging from fitness clubs uh, per capita. That ain't fun. Uh, to movie cost. To average open hours of breweries, 180 cities. According to this report, the average American spends over $2,900 a year on entertainment. Is that outside of the home? Because if it's including inside the home, I think most Americans spend a lot more than $2,900, don't they, just for freaking TV and Internet? Yeah, don't you spend like two fifty a month or something crazy like I that? It feels like it. I've lost control. <laughs> I, I, let's not. Why would you spark that flame? Because <laughs> I was just doing the math. Twelve <laughs> divided by twenty nine hundred. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're talking about three thousand dollars. Yikes! Uh, because I have no idea how to set up the the TV packages, and I just keep adding more and more and more. And I was the same. <laughs> more. See, now I didn't. This wasn't the purpose of bringing this up. It's for me to go crazy about a la carte television and freaking internet. But anyway, um, they say the average. Person spends twenty nine hundred bucks a year on entertainment, so I think that's an interesting factor. Um, again, a lot of people reacted to this: so Vegas, America's most fun city. Vegas number one, and a lot of people are like, "Of course." If not to rip on our hometown towns, because by the way, Henderson was forty seventh on the list. Do we start an overrated chant? I don't know if Henderson is as fun as Vegas. Or Summerlin while we're at it. Yeah, where's Summerlin? Uh, Henderson was 32nd. Check that. Sorry. Henderson was 77th. 32nd. Let's get Margulies back on. Uh, this is a big victory. Reno was 32nd. How many people Whoa. down here are all pissed off in Henderson and, and North Las Vegas? Uh, North Las Vegas was ranked 158. Do you want to step up for Northtown? Yeah, no, I was I, I said amazing in the uh, in the description here because not because I was like oh it stinks just because I mean two things first of all it's amazing that outside of Vegas anybody even here yes we all know about North Las Vegas I think to the masses it's like what is that it's just some oh it's North Las like nobody really knows the other thing is yeah it does have a reputation for uh you know quote the nutty North it can be a little crazy down the there nutty so, North yes that's what we call it here so I, <laughs> right? it surprised me to see that on the list it's almost like a, it's almost like a local thing to me so to see that then again it was a screenshot of a hub thing so we uh, we know. should not get spoiled here because this award is not just gifted to us right and it may not last forever I will say if it's 2900 bucks a year in entertainment we are getting quite pricey here right? So if part of it is value, it's getting a little rougher to get the uh, or to stretch the entertainment dollars like we used to here. Um, other cities in the top five, no surprise, Orlando, Atlanta, interesting, hmm. Miami, wow. New Orleans. 
Now, we don't have the time today for me to do a whole thing on New Orleans, <laughs> but I think New Orleans is actually close to Vegas. It's different. It's like, uh, you know, 1700s dirty Vegas. It's very gritty. It's very gutty. Like, you have to be able to deal with, you know, some dirtiness. We're a much cleaner city, but from a value standpoint, New Orleans is pretty freaking good. From a live music standpoint, you would argue, since a lot of it's free, New Orleans is better. Um, I like Orlando. I haven't been in there like 20 years, so I don't want to speak for Orlando. I think Miami's pretty cool. Is Nashville on the list? Uh, you know what's funny is I now now I really want to look up the list. Uh, i got to find this list to see how many of these right? dopey cities that call themselves Blank Vegas, Nash Vegas, Stark Vegas, up yours. As I've told them <laughs> when those people come on, I'm like, do not ever compare yourself to Las Vegas. Can't do it. Can't do it. America's most fun city. Don't get too big for your britches there, Nashville and freaking Starkville. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. I'd probably say the Tennessee Titans. Just because of how well the Colts are playing, but all these division leaders seem to be in a strong position, including the Ravens, even though they're a little banged up. Like I said, they got Lamar Jackson. But if I had to choose one to not win, I would say the Titans. Now back to Cofield and Company, live on location. There you go. Bobby Griffin saying the uh, Titans could be in shaky form right now with the Colts on their heels. Man, if folks about four weeks ago had said Bills are in trouble, Patriots, legit, would have been laughed out of the freaking room. But looky here. Looky here. By the way, we were just talking about most uh, America's most fun cities. Vegas was named the most fun city. Brian Blessing's with us. Brian, you agree with that, right? America's most fun city, Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, you know, I, I will tell you this. Uh, there's a place I'm dying to go I've never been. Yeah. Nashville looks like a lot of fun. It's only number 27 on the list. Really? It is, a lot, it is a lot of fun, but as I brought up many times, if you're one of these goofy cities that calls yourself whatever Vegas, like Nash Vegas or Stark Vegas, up yours. You get knocked down on my list. Don't try to compare yourselves to us. It's please. reasonable. Right? That's um, a reasonable rant. Is there any chance that Buffalo is a top 100 city on this list? Uh, to me, it'd be like a top five city for food. Okay. But fun, fun. Uh, the, the, you want me to read you the factors here? Let me give yeah, you all the. the uh, let me give you all the, the yeah. things they considered. Uh, it was like uh, sixty-five different metrics. Um, a lot of it was, you know, it's funny. A lot of it was based on um, accessibility and entertainment. Saying that we, you know, the average person spends like three thousand dollars a year in entertainment. It was based on amount of festivals held in the town, restaurants per capita, parks, playgrounds, most accessible bars, dance clubs per capita, lowest average beer prices. Lowest movie cost. Maybe Buffalo has a shot. I don't know, man. Vegas is sounding like a one-to-nine shot with all those categories. Uh, Buffalo, surprisingly, is number 51. And what a punch in the face to Milwaukee, Virginia Beach, Charlotte, Kansas City. All all of those cities are behind Buffalo. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Poor Buffalo. What do you mean? They're number 51. That's a good thing. It's great. I, it's fun. I'm, I mean, you know, back in the day, I mean. Last call there is four a.m. That's not you that's, know that's not that's wallflower big, stuff. That might be that makes it top thirty in my book. Yeah, right. One o'clock last call. All, you know all these places around the country. COVID shutting down all the bars. You know, a place I've been to that shocked the heck out of me. I mean, Toronto's this unbelievable city. Yeah. It's just clean and gorgeous, and, and all the stuff that's there. 
I never seen a city that size. It shuts down like a drum at eleven o'clock. Like Isn't that there crazy? ain't nothing open. Nothing. I know. It's the worst. All right. Well, I'm trying to set you up. Uh, generally, the audience knows I will try to soft pedal around tough issues because I'm a wimp. Um, and it, it's usually well, it, it's generally a case when I'm going to get really mad, so I try to avoid getting really mad right out of the gates. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it. Um, Sean McDermott's and his yep. coaching on Monday night. Thoughts? Torture. Here we go. Just, I mean, they they have five losses. They lost. They gave every game away. And the McDermott thing, there's not a lot, I guess, you regularly can cr- criticize this guy on. But I got to tell you, I almost threw the remote through the TV. One, when Breida fumbled. Because they, 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 got, they got the field tilted. The wind at their back. They could have, you know, pounced on him. And then they get the long run. All right. So that set them back for a whole half. But then he he challenges a quarterback sneak that if a camera was stapled to the nose tackle's forehead, there wasn't an angle that would have turned that thing over in a million years. So he just basically threw away a timeout for nothing, and then they still got him. They got him on the ropes. Al, they should have been throwing more, which sounds nuts, but he's making plays with his feet. He's one of the few quarterbacks who's making throws in the wind. They get it on first down, they get him on the run, and he runs it on first down, wastes it down, and then they don't get the play in on second down fritter two timeouts away and then they're in the red zone they don't get it in had he not done those two stupid things they're getting the ball back again with a minute 40 seconds to go because belichick was playing not to lose he wins the game so he you know but all this belichick's a genius belichick was so conservative playing not to lose mcdermott gave the damn game away i have no argument for you i I thought the love that belichick got afterwards was completely ridiculous and mcdermott and, and Josh Allen didn't play well either, um, but they could have been much well, more. Well, I mean, the wind was the wind. I mean, I get you, you it. I get it. Then, I, then run. You, know. you have a forty million dollar quarterback soon to be who can run the ball. Run them, Steve. Use I the bet, edges, made, made, please. Steve, I made one bet in that game. I bet Allen over thirty-five and a half yards rushing because it was the most simplistic, common sense thing that I seemed to figure out, and the announcers on the broadcast kept begging for him to do, and he should have had that by halftime. It went over. It got bet up to forty-two. He ended up with 39, but if you're even if you've got him back there in the threat of passing, his scrambling, he was making plays with his feet, and instead, one yard single Terry, yep. he was playing Belichick's game. I mean, Belichick was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just gonna do what I'm doing, hope you guys mess up, and it worked out. I don't know that that's he's playing chess and the other guy's playing checkers. The other guy's just an idiot. This is the all-time bounce-back spot after a pathetic performance offensively. This, I mean, I don't know if they're going to beat the Bucks, but there's going to be points in this game. The total's 53. Bet it now. I mean, in fact, I was doing a show with a, a, uh, some buddies right before the game uh, on Sports Grid, and, I, and I'm looking at the wind howling, and I said, bet the, bet the Bills-Bucks game. They're like, are you betting the game? Then I said, I'm betting Josh Allen. I said, bet the Bills-Bucks over. You come out of a game like that, unless the skies open up and it's a monsoon, the Bucs secondary is a disaster. They're so injured. And this will really be the first true game that the Bills are playing without Trey White as a corner because passing was not a thing last week. Brady's going to throw it all over creation. The Bills are going to throw it all over creation. If that game's not in the 60s, there should be an investigation. Flip side of that, do we go under the 42.5 with the Browns and the Ravens? The only thing I think I'd consider... If I had to play that, I yeah. you know, the, the, the Ravens thing, 
that's unbelievable, man. That's just been smoking mirrors for six weeks. And, you, I, you know, you begrudgingly say, hey, good teams win games. Okay. You know, sports talk radio fodder. Right. You know, they, they were getting away with murder. And the Browns' offense is, is nothing to write home about. And, and who knows what the weather's going to be like on that side of the lake. Right. Brian Blessing's with us. You can hear him on K-Shop. He's also a national on Sirius XM, a sports grade radio channel 159, going through some football games here. Uh, what do you see from the football team, and especially Heineke? Are you going to rely on that dude with football team plus four against Dallas? I don't know that I, I'm, I'm running to play it, Steve. We were talking today about him, though. He has the it factor, but the it factor isn't like he scares you to death. Like, oh, my God, what's Heineke going to do? It's more his teammates believe in him and play for him. And all of a sudden, this gets really interesting. Dallas looks like home and cooled in that division. But, you know, the Redskins play them twice and technically going into this game control their own destiny. Their defense is actually playing better since Young went out. Figure that one out. Right. Other games around the National Football League. I feel like this is a letdown spot. Like, they were so happy after getting their first win. Lions plus 7.5 against Denver. Yeah. I mean, I hope they throw a parade for those guys. I don't know. I mean, they're going, hey, that was fun. Let's do it again. Eh, not so fast. I mean, you got to go play at altitude. And even though the, you know, the Broncos, oh, nothing special against the Chiefs. You think of that Chiefs game, man alive, if they go, if they kick a field goal at halftime instead of go for it on fourth down, and if they don't fumble the punt, I mean, Denver had a chance to win that game. That game with the Chiefs was a lot closer than the final score indicates. I, you know, and listen, the Williams kid. You know he's he's a stud. No, I I yeah, I'd be Denver for me. I think Denver's off. Denver's off the Schneid, man. When you get the bagel sitting there, you know you're playing your lungs out just to not have a bagel at the end of the year. That's dead and gone. So and, and, and by the way, this week you never know. At altitude, he could get dizzy, and Campbell could call three timeouts in a <laughs> row. Uh, so I'm a contrarian better, and I I like to bet against the public. But there are times I just I'm ridiculous. So I did play the over in the Buffalo. New England game, so the entire world won on an easy under. Uh, I did not. I am am tempted to do the same freaking thing again, but I know I'm going to be lamenting it on Monday. The history of Army-Navy, Army Mm -hmm. 7.5, but with the total going under like 15 games in a row, and there's more metrics beyond that that just suggest even though it's 33.5, that you're probably foolish if you bet the over. A friendly suggestion instead of being a (laughs) – Contrarian, there's well, there's probably a dozen hockey games. Better hockey right. game? What the hell's wrong with you? I gotta watch the game. I gotta have action. What well, game? You you got a problem? <laughs> yeah, you can call one eight hundred eight one two sour. Sure. Uh, college football teasers are death, so uh, I'm not going to do that. But I guess I guess I have, I, I have to bet the game. Yeah, I have to bet the game. I got to get the entertainment value out of it. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'm I'm going to try to stay away from uh, being tempted to go. It's 33 and a half, though. Come on. Um, let me let me throw a bubble burst situation at mm. you. And and the bowl games are so freaking awesome to try to guess at, do your research, you know, figure out motivation, who's in the portal, who's going to the NFL. My God. And I felt like they they were let down by their coaching, but uh, Oklahoma State 
You talk about yes. a bubble burst. Oh, my God. And I God. feel like on the other side – I already bet Notre Dame. I feel like on the other side, these guys are going to play so friggin' hard to stick it to Brian Kelly and also back their new guy uh, in Marcus Freeman. What do you think of this one? In Notre Dame, they'll have fans there. Notre Dame travels. I- I've got to believe the Oklahoma State fans are you know, probably you know, all pouting and everything. I mean, you know what? That's just, just an indictment to me. It's football in the era we live in. I just I, – for the life of me – you get the ball on the one-inch line, and all these teams do it. Yep. Who thinks it's a good idea to snap it backwards four yards? Right. It's insane. So you're exactly right. When you talk about motivation in the bowl games, these guys are saying, and by the way, how slow is that running back? I mean, he gets the edge. You're like, It looks like he's going to walk in. Yeah, but you end up a foot short of playing for the national championship. I don't know what their mindset's going to be. You're spot on with that, I think. Brian, Notre Dame happen? played really good at the end of the year, yeah. really good. Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I actually I, I think Notre Dame deserves as much as anyone to be in this Final Four, but, uh, you know, the SEC is going to get the benefit of the doubt every freaking time. Um, all right, set us up for the uh, the VGK till tonight. Well, enjoy that they're getting healthy and, you know, Pacioretty is lighting the lamp, coming back good. The Carlson's back, the guy that's sneaky, really, really good for them that we don't give it. Yeah, hey, Yanmark and Dodonov, and it's good to see those guys going. Nick Waugh's playing great hockey. He's plus eight. And when Eichel comes, I mean, you think about this. You're going to throw Nick Waugh on the fourth line. For the, the game tonight, Steve, i got to be honest with you, Dallas is one of those teams. Like when you say, I have to bet yeah. I have to bet the Army-Navy game, every now and then I saddle up on a team where I go, you know what, I've been hit upside the temple so many times with a two-by-four, I finally learned to duck. I never know what to do with Dallas. They're on a tootsie roll right now. These guys are so old, they're drinking Metamucil instead of water in the Gatorade bottles. I don't, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what Dallas is going. They're playing good. Uh, it, I, to me, it's a watch the game in hockey. Philly in the in New Jersey, they might have scored already. I, I'm, I played the over in the Philly Jersey game, but it should be a good game tonight. And it's 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 good to see, you know, Vegas. A lot of guys are starting to roll now, and. Uh, you know, and they have to. Listen, the rest of the division keeps going. I got news to you. I don't think Anaheim's going away anytime soon, Over the, even though it's a really young team. Because you've got Gibson, but their backup, Stolarz, you know, he beat Vegas. Remember that game they played, whatever, it was the 6-5 game? He played great in that game, even though he gave up five goals. I mean, you know, the division is, we always poke holes and made fun of the Pacific, but it's actually pretty doggone good. And San Jose beat Calgary last night. Brian, Vegas needs points. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, it's all, it's always fun. And thank you. I know you were with Tony Miller the other night, oh, yeah. and I almost did it. I almost I almost summoned up the energy and the guts to go out in public and watch a Bills game, but I can't let people watch me be like that in public. <laughs> you could have won some prizes. Uh, you you might have torn the place up. I, you know, I, I don't blame you because, I, like I said, I bet the over, and I was I was getting pissed down the stretch because I can't imagine being on actually on the Bills side as a fan. That was infuriating. Yeah, that but I, that night I, I know the prizes are better than that, but I, that'd be the kind of thing I might have I might have won a squirt gun, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was already at home playing Russian roulette with five bullets. There you go. All right, <laughs> good good one liner to go out. Thanks, Brian. See you, bud. Sports Grid, Sirius XM, one fifty nine. He's also local on K Shop. Brian Blessing, Hockey Insider, Sports Gambling Insider. Coming up, Willie Ramirez joins us from over at uh, T Mobile. We're all in the strip today. So he's getting ready for the VGK game. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes.